It's great to be here with you guys this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Ooh, all right, man. Sega service. You guys got extra caffeine. You're ready to go. Man, we're going to have some fun. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, as Pastor Ken said, my name is Aaron, and I'm the youth pastor here, and it is uh, awesome to be able to get to uh, spend um, the majority of my time and, and really even like my, my life in ministry uh, hanging out with who I consider to be, no offense, the, the coolest people in church are, are the teenagers, like, because you know what you're getting. Like, you walk in a room and, you know, they're kind of... They're tired, right? They, so you're going to need to give them a little bit of something extra that day. Or they come in and they're like, Pastor Aaron. And it's like, whoa, all right. They're ready to go. Like, you know, the, the horse is already taken off. And, but you, you know what you get with teenagers. And they're just so much fun. And uh, so many of you have teenagers that are a part of our ministry. And uh, thank you for continuing to invest in them. Thank you for allowing me to have the opportunity to be able to share with them because I, I really do. I mean, I, I've been doing, I've been doing youth ministry for over 20 years. It, it's, it's what I love and it's what I'm passionate about. And, uh, and so, um, yeah, your teens are awesome. They're, they're absolutely incredible. So we're going to be, uh, we're going to be walking through a little bit of the story of Joseph today. And, uh, if you kind of want to follow along in that, that's going to be in Genesis chapter 37. Um, we, we can read the entire thing if you want. It's like 17 chapters. Like, is, is it, I'll just do a census. Does, does anybody want to hear word for word all 17 chapters? My students? Yes, of course. <laughs> Some of the pranksters out there. Now, we'll, we'll, we'll tell the story of Joseph, but for you to know kind of where we're coming in Scripture, uh, the story of Joseph, really where like his dreams and everything start picking up is actually Genesis chapter 37. And uh, all the way until the end of, uh, uh, to the end of chapter 50 is where we, we see the entire life of Joseph. But uh, just so that you can understand where we're going today and why we're talking about Joseph in conjunction with forgiveness. Uh, today, um, I'm wanting to talk about more of the, the heart of forgiveness and, and what that looks like for us. And so coming from our feelings, coming from our heart, what is, uh, what is the heart of forgiveness? And so a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Ken was talking um, about when we started our series on forgiveness. And he actually shared about, shared about Peter. Uh, for those of you who were here, you remember he talks about Peter and uh, Peter asking Jesus, you know, how, how many times? How many times should I forgive somebody? All right, how many of you are like want to know like exactly like the number of something or the process? None of you? None? You're just kind of like whatever. I'm okay with chaos and just pandemonium. Oh, yeah, several of you are not. And you're like, yes, give me more of that. Right. Okay. Thank you, Joel. Uh, Joel and I, we like to know our boundaries. We like to know where things lie. I remember, um, I remember being in a new school. This was like my sixth new school by the time I was in junior high or something. And, uh, and, and you could tell where my focus was. Cause when I met the principal, he was like, Oh, hi, welcome Aaron. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nice to meet you. What grade point average do I have to have in order to play sports? Right? Some of you were like, oh, bare minimum kind of kid. Yes, 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 I was. And I fight against that constantly. Like, what's the bare minimum? I wanted to know, like, like barely, like, I'm going to get, like, the point one above that and be like, I'm playing games today. Right? That was, that was me. That was just kind of how I, I want to know. And, and I see Peter in that, like, how many times exactly? Because I don't want to forgive somebody too much. 
you forbid, as he's talking to Jesus, you forbid, I can forgive somebody too much, right? So he, he wants to know, like, is it, it, everybody else says three times, but is it seven? And no, it's, if you forgive in Matthew chapter six, verse 14 through 15, um, it says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your father will not forgive your sins. Pretty straightforward. It's not a suggestion. It's not, if you could find it in your heart, no. You must, you need to forgive. And then last week, Pastor Ken walked us through and talked us through some of the things that forgiveness is and is not. And one of the big things is that forgiveness is not a feeling. Even though today we're going to talk about some of the feelings that come from when there is hurt and when there are different uh, difficulties in life. Uh, but that does not mean that feeling or uh, that forgiveness is a feeling. Right? We, we do that regardless. Right? I, I may not feel like forgiving somebody, but that's not what Jesus said. Hey, when you feel like it. <laughs> right? Because then I might feel like unforgiving the person. <laughs> so that's not, that's not how we're going to allow these things to go. They, our, our feelings are to, uh, to push us towards the truth, not become the truth. Okay? That's, that's where our feeling. God gave us our feelings, so it's not like, oh, I am a robot. Beep, burp, burp. Right? I, I'm just going to walk through life. Nothing phases me. Nothing bothers me. No, we were made with feelings. We're made this way. God made us mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And if my emotions are one of my limbs and it is missing because I suppress it and ignore it and say it doesn't exist, I am unstable in the way that God has made me. So we're going to be walking through that. But what I want to do is I want to make sure that very clearly as we're talking about forgiveness and the importance of, of that, also to share that I am not saying that it diminishes your hurt. Being obedient to God in forgiving somebody does not take away the wrong that was done. Wrongs have been done. Un injustices have been committed. There are, there are terrible things that are represented in this room that have been done to us, to individuals, to other people, by other people. And so saying that, that we are to forgive does not diminish that. It does not, it does not lessen the blow or, or the severity of that. And, and it's not a, we're not also making a statement of just get over it, okay? These are real things, serious things hurtful things. And in the midst of that, God recognizing that, Jesus experiencing that himself, he still says that we are to forgive. And then that's the, that's the savior that we serve is that he doesn't leave us or forsake us. So he doesn't say, go over there and forgive. Good luck. Right? He walks with us. He talks with us. He is doing this with us. That's the God that we serve. So, uh, as, we, as we are going through uh, the story of Joseph, okay? Uh, Joseph, uh, maybe you know, recognize his story from the, the Coat of Many Colors. If you were uh, in, uh, in, like, kids' church or whatever, you may have heard about that. And, and how his dad, you know, really loved him extra and gave him this coat and gave him all of this special attention. And, and then uh, his story kind of takes this dark turn. But... I want to want to pause on that just for a moment um, and, and make a little plug for the the Bible in One Year app. 
what's really cool is that uh, a few weeks ago, the, the Lord had kind of like, hey, Joseph, like that kind of like came in as like, I, I think I'm going to be speaking on Joseph, but I didn't know that like this week and part of this weekend or most of this weekend, we were going to be, if you're going through the Bible in one year app, be reading and hearing the story of Joseph. And uh, it, I, I love the app. Again, it's a short little commercial. Uh, I push it with the students. Um, and, I, and I also tell them, I was like, it's great because like the youth version of it, I don't know about the adult version because I do all the like the youth stuff. The youth version is, it's all Australian. And so I tell everybody, I can, I can, I'm bilingual. <laughs> I can, I can understand Australian. So I get done like listening to the Bible and I'm like, let's put another shrimp on the barbie. Good eye, mate. <laughs> right? It was a good time. So, so check it out. Uh, it's, it's great. It, it, it's, uh, it's a quick little devotional and read through parts of scripture and just kind of a wrap up prayer at the end. And, uh, and so if I'm, if I'm driving while that's happening, I just close my eyes, Jesus take the wheel and, and I get where I'm going. So it's better than cruise control. So, uh, Joseph, Joseph, coat of many colors, right? He's, he's, uh, he's this kid. He, he actually, um, I mean, if we're going to be honest, he, he talks a little too much. Anybody ever talk a little too much? We got a few people, oh, a couple of you, the rest are liars. All right, that's cool. That's right, lying in church, that's great. Uh, but, you know, my, my, kids, my kids will do some of that. They'll, they'll, they'll come in and, and it, it's okay if I'm busy, right? Busy, you know, busy, right? Uh, daddy, daddy, daddy. Oh, okay, all right. And, uh, and my, my, my two little girls, Johanna, who's three, and Mariah, who's seven, they're, they're, they're still short enough for me to do this, but I usually like, get down on one knee and I'm like, tell me your story. What's happening? Because they're all excited. They're holding something, showing something, whatever. And, and it, looks like, it looks like cave drawings or whatever. And like, this is you. Ah, oh, that's offensive. Thank you. Um, I'm like, this is how much I love you. That looks dangerous. And, and so all this stuff. And then, and then, you know, after about half an hour, I can't feel this knee, right? And they're just telling me everything. Like the, you know, when they got to have their piece of gum, the flavor, how long it lasted, when they spit it out, but they forgot to roll down the window, the bug that hit the windshield while they're driving, all of this stuff. Then they saw this bird and they don't know what happened, but then they named it and they started telling a story about it. And then every bird after that has the same name and the same story. Like it's just on and on. And, and you kind of get this sense that Joseph may have been a little bit like this because he shows up and he's like, hello, brothers. Let me tell you about this dream. You guys all worship me. Joseph, be careful with what you say, right? Like, hold on, maybe let's, how many of you have siblings? Yeah? How many of you have ever had sibling rivalry? Yeah, some of you were like, I didn't have a sibling before, but I do now, right? Like, yeah, rivalry. So there's this, there's this competitive nature that happens in a home with siblings and all of these things. But then you have one that just kind of runs their mouth a little bit more than the others. That wasn't me in my home. That was my brother. I love you, brother. But he, he, would, he would, you know, I think I could do this and I can do that. Oh, really? And then we would tussle. We once broke our front door in a, in a tussle. Yeah. Yeah, we split, we split our solid core front door to our house because, you know, boys will be boys. It was the late 80s, early 90s, and it was, we, we, we got rough, and there was just someone said something too much, and we start jockeying for position, and I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I'm, you know, and, 
then we both realized that dad was in charge. <laughs> Boys, you break the door? I was like that when I got here. I don't know what happened. <laughs> so here we have Joseph telling his brothers, you guys are all going to bow down and worship me. Mom and dad are also going to bow down and worship me. And everybody's like, dude, we don't like you. <laughs> Sibling rivalry. Then as, uh, in uh, the second verse of of chapter 37 in Genesis, it actually says that it gives us Joseph's age. It says that Joseph is a 17-year-old young man, and he is helping to tend the flocks of his father. And then later on, it says that, the, uh, that his brothers, they actually take all of the herds and the flocks, and they go 50 miles for, for new pasture land. 50 miles. That's a long ways. That's a long ways with a herd. And it's just, you know, hip, hip. Yeah, yeah, mule, sheep, cow, camel. I don't know. Like, but they're getting, it's not, it's not a quick trip. It's not going to be a quick trip. And so they're there for, for an extended period of time. And Jacob says to Joseph, Joseph, why don't you go check on your brothers? Joseph's like, that'd be great. I miss my brothers. They probably miss me. The narrator would voice over, and he was wrong. Strange things were afoot. Right? They, they didn't know what was going to be, he didn't know what was going to be taking place. So here comes Joseph. He's got his, and I picture him in his coat. You know, for those of you who, who uh, I'll, I'll try and work in some of your lingo, but he had, he had, some, he had some pretty nice drip going. Right? Uh, for, for the rest of you, uh, pretty fly, um, uh, looking radical or bodacious, uh, slick, sharp clean cut, okay? I think I've covered all of the generations, like everybody understands Joseph looking real nice, okay? And so he's just kind of coming up, coming up, hey, 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 brothers. And when I see my brother, okay, yes, we had our sibling rivalries and things, and we don't, you know, we don't always 100% get along because, well, we're brothers, but somewhere along the point of like him being in like junior high-ish, I was, I was in college, uh, Something, we had some sort of, I think it was from watching a Chris Farley movie where he was like, brothers don't shake hands, brothers got a hug. And then we were like, we're brothers. We'll just call each other brother. So that's literally like how we greet each other. That's how he is in my phone. That's how I'm in his phone. Like we'll see each other and we'll be like, hey brother, brother, brother hug, brother hug. Let's go get some brother coffee. Let's go for a brother drive, have a brother steak. We don't, it's not cannibalism. It's just, just brothers having steak. Relax. But we're, we're just, we're hanging out. We're being, we're being brothers. And so I'm, I'm excited to see him. I enjoy being around my brother. I enjoy being with his wife and his kids. And we, we have a great time. Joseph had a little bit of a different experience showing up. Like, bless you. He shows up. He's like, hey, brothers. And they're, they're all like, let's kill him. Right, that's, that's a very different greeting. I hope, I hope this past Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's, you did not have that type of a reaction. Hello, sibling that I might kill. But that it might be full of love. But that's where, that's the situation that Joseph is walking into. Looking all fly, looking real nice, got his coat. And they decide, let's not kill him. Like, you know, they have this idea, murder, ah, let's, let's make money instead of murder. And so they, they take his coat, they tear it up, they cover it in, in goat's blood, and they throw him in a dry well, a cistern, and 
and then they sell him into slavery. And he is thrown in the back of a cart, shackled and carted off to Egypt and sold into Potiphar's house. Uh, an, an officer um, in Egypt and, and works as a slave in, in his home. That's, that's, where, that's where we're at with Joseph, okay? This is, this is not a real great story, but some of the things that, that we're going to be talking about, we can see represented within the life and the story of Joseph as well as your own life, I would imagine. So we're going to talk about four different components of, of our hearts and the heart of forgiveness. And uh, the first one is, is hurt. Anybody ever been hurt before? Yeah? few of you? All right. A couple of you are like, yes, yes, I have. As I think about it, oh, yeah, I really have. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe there's some things that, that you know, you're, you're remembering in this moment that, you know, it's something that you try and, like, suppress and push back into the back of your mind, but then when, when asked, anybody ever been there when asked, hey, how's so-and-so doing? I don't see you guys hanging out anymore. I hope they fell in a dry well. Right? And you're like, oh, oh, my stars. Well, bless my heart. <laughs> Excuse me. I mean, uh, God bless them, you know. But there, there can be this stuff that comes up because of hurt. Hurt happens, right? We've all been, we've all been hurt at some point. 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 5 speaks directly to this. This is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. So God has heard your prayers. He's seen your tears. Whether, whether they flow freely or you suppress them, God has seen those tears. He's seen that hurt. He promises that he will heal us. Not maybe, not probably, not you got to earn it. I will heal you. That's the Lord. So one of the, one of the things about hurt is Nobody really like signs up for it, right? Like if you've got an event taking place or if, you, uh, if you've ever been to like a storefront where they've got like all these different like coffee shops or like a flea market, let's call it a market, right? And you got like fresh eggs. Everybody's going to be there because they're like, you know, $10 an egg. And, uh, and then you've got like, you know, your fresh meats and your salsas and your cheeses that are just all kinds of cheeses. And they're amazing because cheese is amazing. And... And, but if you had one that was like, it was just labeled hurt, I think it'd be a really short line. Like you just walk up and they just like say something insulting or they slap you in the face. Like nobody's like, ooh, that looks like a good time. You, you wanna, we've got our coffee and our cheese and our one egg because we can't afford more. Do you want to go get hurt? <laughs> no. Uh, no, babe, I'm good. Let's hit the car and go home, right? Got enough hurt. And sometimes we see it that way. We've got enough hurt. And so it becomes this thing of, well, I, I want to I stay as far away from it as I can. So then it's this avoidance thing. In a situation or a scenario with an individual or a group of people, there may be this jockeying to try and avoid hurt. And while that is understandable, actually avoiding hurt, it, it renders our hearts numb. It renders our hearts numb and it... It numbs our heart's hunger for healing and life. And healing and life come through relationship. But so does hurt. Hurt comes through relationships as well. 
But on the other side of it, through the hurt, is where, is where we, find, we find healing, where we find life. Because we were made for relationship. Adam, in the garden, everything's perfect, right? Like the water is perfect. He doesn't, he doesn't need to purify it with a car, like a, uh, the little filters or the straw deals or, or tablets or anything. Like the water is perfect. The grass is perfect. The temperature is perfect. Everything is perfect. And in a perfect place, a perfect person for that time being needed a relationship. We were made for relationship. That's what God has designed us for. So even though, even though there are hurts, even though there are some of these things that take place, it doesn't diminish it, but at the same time, trying to avoid it, it's going to numb. It's going to numb our hearts. And we need that for relationship. Also, forgiveness is, as a reminder, it's not a feeling. Right? It doesn't matter if we feel like forgiving or not, that God has called us to forgive. Not once the hurt has been, you know, four months down the road, six months down the road, five years down the road. But he's, he's called us to, to forgive regardless of our feeling. So I, I, I ask a lot of questions. I ask our students lots of questions. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll do this with, with my wife just kind of as, like, I, I sense the Lord, like, processing something in my spirit. I just kind of, all these questions start coming up. All these questions start coming up. And so, so in, in this, this is, this is something that just kind of resonates with me is, how have your past hurts affected your ability to know and be known by others? That's just, that's just for you, just to think on. How have your past hurts affected your ability to know and be known by others? Full transparency, for me, it's, it's trust. I, I struggle with that a little bit. Uh, especially with, you know, with meeting new people and, and some of that. There's just, you know, things that have happened in my own life, in, in, in uh, growing up as a pastor's kid and, and being in church and moving around a lot. Other people with totally different circumstances in their life can also have trust issues. So we all have something that is a result of, a, of different occurrences. Oh, excuse you. And uh, my watch was like, I'm going to help you preach. No. There we go. And, and so it, it, can, it can be something that leads us to, um, to wanting to try and, and protect ourselves. But in that, we're, we're, we're missing, we're missing the, the most important thing is, is having that relationship. Because it, it pours into our relationship with Jesus. Okay? Our, second, our second feeling, our second topic that we're talking about today is anger. Anybody ever been angry before? Yeah. Most of you guys are super chill. That's impressive. Like just never angry. You're just like, <laughs> you're just, just always, just always like, yeah, man. Peace, brother. Okay. Um, oftentimes we can, we can experience, we can experience anger as a result of being hurt, right? Emotional or, or physical. Uh, when, when uh, Lauren and I had been married just about a year or so, uh, we had uh, we had a youth event at our, our house. We had this little parsonage at the, the first church that I was a full time youth pastor at, and um, and uh, so we had we had this the the doorway into the the little parsonage 
the, the door leaked and everything. And so you know, it was just kind of, hey, we'll put the youth pastor there. We got to fix it up, and that was nice. But uh, in the process, it was just, it was interesting. And so we had this like rotting carpet that was right inside because every time it rained, the, the door was just kind of like, oh, yeah, come on in. <laughs> no, no, more, more, more. And uh, so, yeah, so we, we tear up the carpet, and there's hardwood floors underneath. It was an old home, and we're like, oh, man, this is kind of nice. Maybe we can, like, fix some of this up. And, uh, but if you've, ever, if you've ever, like, taken up carpet and there's been hardwood floors underneath, they're, they're, they're slick. Like, they're real slick, like skating rink slick. And uh, so I was wearing dress shoes. You guys probably, some of you are, like, seeing where this is going. I was wearing dress shoes that Sunday morning. We had the students over that afternoon, and we're hanging out. And we had this silly song and dance that we would do that uh, was just talking about relationships. And so we had these motions to it. So it's like kids' church in our house with our students. There's like 30 of them. They're all in our living room, just like crammed right here. And we're doing this song, and I'm like, I'm doing the motions and all this. And I hop to my right, and I land on the hardwood floors. And my shoes, the bottom of my shoes were like, what's on that wall? And just kind (laughs) of looked over there. So I'm horizontal. Right? And, and my arm comes out because I'm like, I want to I wanna arrest my fall a little bit. But then my brain goes, remember last week on vacation when you did that, you hurt your elbow. And I went, oh, that's right. I don't want to hurt my elbow again. So I tucked my arm. And I did not hurt my elbow. I broke my collarbone. <laughs> yeah, just pop, landed right on it. Woo, sat up, looked down, was like. It's time for everybody to leave. <laughs> Lauren, get the keys. Take me to the ER, please. And so we get there. They take their pictures. You know, they're like, stand up straight. And I'm like, I would with a totally healed clavicle. That would be easy. But they're like, stand up. And I'm like, how's this? <laughs> I'm like holding my arm and everything. And so they take pictures. And they're like, oh, you're lucky. I was like, doesn't feel like it. They're like, it's just a, it's a pressure break. Your bone just went boop. And just kind of pop, we're going to put a sling on it, give you some happy pills, send you home. I'm like, ooh, all right. Sling, happy pills, go home. It's going to be fine. It's going to be all right. And I'm laying there, still holding my arm. I've been holding it for like the last couple of hours. This young nurse comes in. He says, sir, let go of your arm. I said, sir, no, I'm not going to let go of my arm. He goes, I need to put your sling on. I went, fine, put the sling on. I'm not letting go of my arm. Sir, let go of your arm. No. You don't need me to let go of my arm because you're not going to move my arm. That's right. I'm not going to move your arm. So, therefore, I'm not going to let go of my arm. Sir, let go of your arm. Like minutes go by. We're arguing, okay? And I'm hurt, right? I'm hurt. I'm starting to creep towards angry. And, And so, finally, he talks me out of it, letting go of my arm. Trust issues, okay? So, I let go of my arm. I put my hand up. Put my hand down, laying in the gurney. He puts the sling over my my neck but doesn't release it. And I start to say, wait, but I don't because he grabs my arm and does this with it like three times trying to put it in there. I let out a banshee scream and by the grace of God, I miss grabbing his neck and just get a hold of his shirt. And I let him know how angry I am with him. Um, I pantomimed it like, like this. I go from hurt to angry. 
He broke it again. It was all this whole mess. It was crazy. Just this whole thing. But it's this, we go from hurt to angry, and sometimes we kind of go, oh, I shouldn't be this, but then I'm hurt, so then I feel angry, but I shouldn't be this. And we're trying to pull out of this anger, but in Scripture, it's actually right here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, it says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. In verse 32, just a few more verses down, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So it's not about suppressing the anger. It's not about pulling it away. It's not about denying that it exists. It's not about being red-faced and going, I'm not angry, right? Through gritted teeth, I love you. In the bottom of a well. But it is, it is about understanding that in our anger, there is the ability to not sin. Also, in our anger, there's the ability to be kind and compassionate. Like, because so, so often we, we equate anger with rage. Those are different things. Those are very, very, very drastically different things. Rage is, is uncontrolled chaos. Rage is, I'm going to hurt you because you hurt me. Rage is vengeance, and it is outside of what God is calling us to. Anger, anger in an authentic way, is showing us that we care. It's telling us that something matters. That's what anger is. Authentic anger is a caring feeling, telling us that something matters. We want justice in something. We see an atrocity. Anger arises because that's wrong. That shouldn't happen. That shouldn't be done. Why is it this way? It's a fallen, broken world. But our anger lets us know, I'm passionate about this because this needs to be made right. This matters to me. The unhealthy side of anger the impaired side of anger is depression and pride. Depression and pride, they, they express contempt for our passion and our vulnerability. Because being angry is being vulnerable. Uh, for, for so long, it was, it, was, it was confusing to me. Like Lauren and I, we would disagree on something and then she would become angry and I would become confused. And then she would cry and then I would become more confused because I didn't understand why there were tears when she was angry. I was like, I thought that was a happy, sad thing. Now it's an angry thing. I'm confused. What's happening? And I understand this better because it is passion. Her passion is behind this. And the passion sometimes evokes that emotion and there's a brokenness that takes place and there's tears. It doesn't mean that it's it's weird or wrong. It's, it's her expression of her passion. And that's what, that's what healthy anger is. Our next one is, is fear. So oftentimes we can, we can experience fear because of hurt and because of anger. Maybe even it's I'm afraid to experience hurt because I'm afraid of how angry I'll be because I shouldn't be angry. Well, that's why we have our passage of be angry, do not sin. And so then it can relieve some of, that, some of that fear. I would imagine that Joseph, in the bottom of that cistern, with his brothers up above who 
or older than him and should have been there to protect him and should have been there for him to be able to rely on and should have been there for him to be able to confide in and, and be brothers together, to walk through life together. I'm sure that there was an, an intense amount of fear for him as they discuss openly whether to kill him or not. I would, I would imagine the, the fear of those, those words echoing off of the walls of that cistern as he's there in that dark place, just kind of wondering why those that he trusted and loved have put him in this position and now are discussing murder or money with his life. That would be fear-inducing. Absolutely. So, so as we look at Scripture, what Scripture says about fear, Psalm 111 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow His precepts have good understanding. To Him belongs eternal praise. So fear awakens us to danger. Right? Most of us know that. If you have kids, you need to, there's, there's a healthy fear. Don't, don't touch the stove, that sort of stuff. Don't, don't go charging at that rabid animal over there or that alligator. I had some friends that had a kid that ran at an alligator when she was little. It was like, oh, like a little toddler. Big teeth. Right, there's, a, there's, a healthy, there's a healthy dose of that. Fear awakens us to danger. Fear also makes us face ourselves and reveals our neediness. We have needs. We are needy people. We need God. We need each other. And so fear awakens and reveals our neediness. When I was, uh, when I was a senior in high school, we had, uh, I, was, I was at a small private school, and we went on a uh, senior, senior retreat and, uh, at the end of the school year. And they, like, locked all three of my main fear things all into that trip. Like, it was, it was like it was programmed to, like, you know, just overload me with all of my, all of my anxieties and fears. They were like, we're going to go uh, rock climbing and rappelling. Cool. Heights, not a great, not high on my list. <laughs> um, that was a dad joke, not high on my list. You're welcome. Uh, the, the other one was um, we were going to go whitewater rafting. And as a kid... Um, I had a lot of older cousins. They were all about 10 years or older than me, and they would babysit me. And so it was, uh, it was like the mid-late 80s, and the best way to babysit would be with, you know, VHS. That's, um, those are like video home. Okay, all right. Uh, like, yeah. And, and so they, they got, uh, they got this, this new movie that had come out recently, they're like, Aaron, you'll, you'll love this because we love this. We're going to watch Jaws with you. You're six. This will be fine. And we lived on the West Coast at the time. And so I see like all of the Jaws movies that are like out at that time. And, and then they're like, okay, fine. We won't watch Jaws anymore. Like you're, you're scared. Uh, we'll watch this other adventure movie. And it was, uh, it was still fish, but it was freshwater. It was piranhas. Everybody's getting eaten in these things. This all it's fresh water, salt water, nothing's safe. I'm terrified. And then my first ocean experience, I actually get like a jellyfish like wrapped around my leg. And yeah, so I'm like, so here I am. This is several years later. I'm in high school, my senior year. We're gonna go get in the water. <laughs> okay. 
fantastic. I know it's a river, and I know there's no sharks and piranhas in there. Like, from my mouth, I know that. My brain in the back, where the fear sits, didn't totally understand that. It would just kind of, it was like, la, 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 la. I don't care. There's still something in there that will eat us. And, and then the other one was, like, small, dark spaces. And so our third activity was splunking. We're going to go caving. And so I'm like, ooh, cool, like Mammoth Cave. Like you walk in, you could drive in an RV or something. Like, no. We got in this bus and we drove for hours and we stopped in this open field. And I'm like, I don't think you guys understand how caves work. They're in the sides of mountains. And they're like, oh, no, not this one. It's in that hole there. About like that. And we just went into the ground like we were, you know, dwarves or something. And just like from Lord of the Rings and caving and all this stuff. And I'm like, what is going on? And, and so there was this fear awakened in me to these things that I felt were dangerous and that I was worried about. But it revealed that I also, I needed my guide, the guy that belayed us, to encourage me that I was able to go ahead and do the rock climbing. And then when we were on the whitewater raft, the, the raft guide to, to keep telling, keep paddling, Aaron, keep paddling. I don't want to, right? And here comes a class four. I don't know what that means. And, and there's lots of waves. I don't like lots of waves. And so he, is, he was there and he encouraged us. And then our guide in the, in the cave also to encourage, hey, it's all right. You can make it through this tight spot. Turn your helmet this way. Keep your light on, right? And there was all of these things. And so it revealed that I had this need for others. I needed, I needed my guide there to help me. That's what my fear revealed to me. And so unhealthy fear, in an unhealthy way, unhealthy fear is anxiety. Anxiety, it misinforms us. It tells us, it says for us to control when we need to let go. So unhealthy fear says, this is mine, I'm going to fix it, I'm going to make the outcome that I want. And God is there saying, in the midst of your fear, not always removing it. Sometimes he brings peace that surpasses all of our understanding. But other times there is working through that and not allowing it to turn to anxiety. Because then we're, we're wanting to control, we're wanting to be in charge, we're wanting it to be our thing. And then, with all of this, there are these moments where, at least I would imagine that there's this question of, am I going to be here forever? Am I going to be in this place of progressing through hurt, anger, and now fear? Am I stuck here forever? Joseph. Joseph spent 13 years in some sort of prison or slavery before he was, he was released into Pharaoh's palace. From 17, heading out to go meet up with his brothers. What's up, brother? Thrown in a cistern, sold to slave traders, sold to Potiphar, wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife, thrown into prison, helps the, the baker and the cupbearer, is forgotten about, even though he helps to save one of their lives and rescue them, is completely forgotten about, and then... And then meets Pharaoh and, in, and interprets his dreams, his dream from the help of God. But that's 13 years. That's a long time. That's, that's his youth. 17 to 30? That's, that's his youth. That's his life. 
And sometimes we can feel like this hurt, this anger, this fear, it's just not ending, it's forever. Am I gonna be here forever? God promises that he's with us. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God cares for you. God cares that you're hurt. God cares. Even when we may feel like he doesn't. This hurts so bad. God, do you even care? He does. Right there. 1 Peter chapter 5. Our last one is, is gladness. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 13 says, Then young women will dance and be glad, young men and old as well. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. So the things that we're experiencing, God can turn that. God can turn any of those things. He turns our mourning into dancing. He turns our sorrow into joy. Gladness is about desiring deeply and having a willingness to walk through pain in the pursuit of that desire. When we're glad about something, we desire it deeply. We're pursuing something because we find gladness in it. And even though there's going to be hurt, we still pursue. I mean, that's, that's relationship right there. My, my, my wife and I, we have, we have pursued each other in our relationship, but there has also been hurt from, from us to each other, from me to her, from her to me. That's, that's relationship. But I'm glad to pursue her because God has placed her before me and God has gifted me with her. And we have relationship. And from that, I learn more about who Christ is and what he has done in and through me. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8 says, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, that's us, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, I like that that's the first one, because whatever is true comes from God. The enemy it's all lies. The enemy's going to take things. He's going to twist it. But whatever is true, that's coming from the throne of God. From his throne to your heart, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's to be our focus. Those things, those things that restore us to lifting our eyes to the throne of Jesus. Yes, the hurt is real and exists. Yes, the anger is there. Yes, the fear. But in the midst of that, we, we look to what is true, to what is right, to what is noble. And we set our hearts and our minds on that. And that's where God brings the joy with the sorrow and the sadness. And it's wild that even these things that we might consider to be unpleasant or difficult or things that we don't want, they actually all bring a gift. Each and every one of them. 
Hurt has a gift. Anger has a gift. Fear has a gift. The gift of hurt is healing and courage. Out of hurt is where we experience healing. And there is courage in saying, I'm still moving ahead, even though I know there's hurt down there. Man, what a gift that God builds us up in that. The gift of anger is passion. We talked about that already. Your passion is expressed in that. There's this pursuit. I want, I want God's righteousness in the midst of this situation that, that there is no righteousness. So I'm passionate for that and I pursue that. The gift of fear is wisdom and faith. That it's not this cowering away, but it's, I'm, I know there's hurt and I'm angry about that, that situation, but I, I have courage in the midst of this and, and I have passion to pursue this. And that even though that there is faith, I'm going I'm to pursue God. God, give me wisdom as I step into this. God, give me faith to let go as I step into this. And that, that, that builds up our relationship with him. So the gift of fear is wisdom and faith. The gift of gladness is joy with sadness. Not, not separated from. Some of you who have uh, kids and grandkids, you might be familiar with the, the Pixar movie Inside Out. And they, they've got this, uh, it's these, these emotions that are expressed as these little characters in this girl's mind. And, and they, they all are trying to interact and work together. And sometimes one commandeers the controls. You know, anger like hits this like big old red button. And then like flips these switches. And then the, the young girl in the, in the show starts yelling and screaming because she's hurt. She's upset. And, and then Joy is trying to like, it's okay, everybody. Be happy, be happy. It's okay. And, and trying to like keep sadness away from the controls. Like, get back. Come on. And, and doesn't realize that some of the greatest joyful moments were brought because there were very sad moments prior to that. And that's kind of the cusp of how the story ends is that those two, those two begin to morph and work well together. And so the gift of gladness is joy with sadness. That God brings that to us regardless of what's going on. That's who he is. And when he shows up in the room, things are different. God does cool stuff. And the last one is the gift of forgiveness is freedom. Miss Alice said this so well in her video last week that it, it sets us free. It really does. It sets us free. There was a, there was a family when I was a kid that um, we, had, we had moved yet again um, from, from uh, Wisconsin uh, down to actually to uh, Orville, Ohio, not too, not too far from here. Lived there for a little while as when I was uh, in, um, in junior high, one, one grade in junior high there. So I was in like four, four or five different elementary schools, two different junior highs, and I was able to go to one high school. That was interesting. Um, but uh, moving into this new town, new church, new home, new neighborhood, I don't know anybody, all this stuff, there was, there was a family that, we were really close with that they they moved with us they they followed us down and we were like man this is this is awesome and then and then it wasn't and the stuff that happened in in my in my home the things that i watched my parents experience the some of the the wounds that i saw take place even in their marriage at the time 
as, as a 10, 11-year-old boy, I'm watching this happen that was coming from our church and from our friends and all of this. And I, I just didn't understand, like, what, God, what are you doing? That, that there, was, there was freedom that I found years later because I held on to it into my 20s. Every time somebody would, would mention Orville or would mention that family's name, I, I would feel my heart rating jump. And I would remember that hurt and I would, take, and I would thrive in that anger and allow that to burn into rage towards them. And it, it impacted me. But then when, when God, God brought that to me and said, there is freedom in this, man, the, seriously, the release from that. I've been able to reconnect with that family. The son and I, we have been best friends as kids. We, 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 we communicate now again today. I, and that's, that's a relationship that's been in the process of being restored for almost 30 years from when that hurt happened, that God is bringing freedom. So the, the gift of forgiveness is freedom. God does some amazing things. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage as the world does. We fight different. The world says somebody hurts you, you pay them back. Never let them, let them off the hook. Hang on to that. Mistreat them. Be passive aggressive every time they walk by. Right? Oh, you're wearing that. That's a bold move. Right? We hang on to these things. That's how the world says that we're supposed to fight. Second Corinthians says something different. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. We fight with forgiveness. I, I forgive you. I truly, truly forgive you. I'm not just suppressing this. I forgive you. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we've been talking about the heart of forgiveness. We understand hurt. We understand the anger. We understand the fear. We understand the gladness that God brings in the midst of that and the freedom that we find in forgiveness. But my question, my question would be, what's, what's the condition of your heart? As we look at forgiveness, what's the condition of your heart? Is there a, a situation, a person that, like, like for myself for so many years, that that name, that place, it brings up this, I'm never going to let them get away with that. It's, I mean, that's, that's you and God. You and God are the only ones that know the answer to that. But I think there's a lot to be said for, for when we look at the Psalms and look at David and he asks God, search my heart. Let me know if there's any unclean thing in me. I want to follow your ways. What's the condition of your heart? Let's stand together with me this morning, please. My prayer for you today is that, that there would be an understanding of, of the heart of forgiveness.
that it's, it's not once these things are all over and done and gone that we then forgive. Because unforgiveness is going to keep bringing those things back. It's going to keep bringing back that hurt. It's going to keep bringing back that unhealthy anger and that unhealthy fear. If any of you played baseball as a kid, when uh, when I played baseball in the 80s and the 90s, they had the they took a baseball and then they just attached a bungee cord to it and then a Velcro wristband so that the baseball that you just hit would come right back at your face. It was miss the 80s. Unforgiveness is like that bungee tether. The hurt and the anger and the fear or the ball and and when we cast that away. Unforgiveness is what's going to pull all that back right to us. It's going to keep returning those things right back to us. I want to get rid of this hurt, and we cast it away, and unforgiveness snatches it right back to us. Forgiveness is the thing that sets us free. It cuts that tether. And and when we cast that to God, God, here's my hurt. Here's my anger. Here's my fear. He, he holds on to that. He brings joy in the midst of those. Forgiveness is what's going to be able to make us be set free from those things. So if you'll pray with me this morning, Jesus. Jesus, I just speak blessings over everybody that's here. God, that you would, you would give them strength to walk through their hurt to walk through their pain, to walk through the anger, Lord God, to walk through the fear. Lord, bring them to forgiveness. Bring them to gladness. Bring them joy with their sorrow. Thank you, Jesus, that your peace transcends our understanding and that we are able to experience healing because of what you give us. Thank you for your gifts that come through these difficult things. Only you, God, only you, Lord, can bring healing and courage through hurt. What a great thing. Only you, Lord, can reveal our passion and our anger. Only you, Lord, can give us wisdom and build up our faith as a result of our fear. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, for those who who are trying to cut that tether of unforgiveness. They're seeking freedom in forgiveness. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them, encourage them, minister to their hearts. Give them the strength to be able to lay those things down at your feet. Bless them, Jesus. Bless each and every one of us, Lord. May we honor you in all that we say and do in your holy name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your week. Don't forget your connection cards. We're, we've got prayer team up front. If we could pray with you, we love you. See you next Sunday.